Eleanor and Clark, thank you for leading us so beautifully in worship. You're a hard act to follow, you know. So to begin this sermon on Isaiah, I'd like to offer this brief refresher course on the Sabbath and its meaning from Exodus chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Today, the prophet Isaiah expounds beautifully on what the Sabbath is for. And what strikes me today is how conditional are Isaiah's claims about Sabbath keeping. He concludes the chapter with a series of strongly worded if-then statements. We are to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. If you don't pursue your own interests, if you call the Sabbath a delight, if you honor it, then you shall take delight. Then you will ride upon the heights. Then I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob. Isaiah prophesies, you shall not work. And he says, here's why. Another thing I note is that Isaiah is writing to people in an in-between time. God's people are emerging from a time of catastrophic disruption and devastation. Slowly, though, something new is emerging, but it's not yet clear what that will be and how it will look. Everyone, including the prophet, is only sure that what was is no longer and what shall be is not yet. We, too, are sure that what was is no longer and that what shall be is not yet. We encounter this Sabbath message then at just the right time. What is the Sabbath for? What's, what's it for? What's its purpose? Why this crazy Sabbath? As my Old Testament professor once asked the class, I offer three for your adoption. In daily or weekly practice, there are more, but we've got a picnic. First, Sabbath is for rest and renewal. You shall not work. In the Hebrew, it's even more direct and more primitive sounding. You know work. All of them are like that. You know steal. Uh, you know work. It sounds like we're pets chewing on the furniture. You know work. No work. <laughs> but rest. Slow down. Put away distractions. Put away screens. 
sleep, play games, tell stories, breathe, worship, pray, be still. Oh, this just feels good to say that. Know that God is God and we are not. Thank God. Remember, too, that our God is the only God who rests. All the other gods of Egypt and of every nation ever since, they never stopped working. Remember we all stopped working a couple years ago? How, how worried the gods became? The gods of the nations? We've got to get people back to work. And people just tasted a little bit of that Sabbath. And we ended up with a great resignation. Just a, a little taste of it. Remember Pharaoh's admonishing the Hebrews for being lazy. He even forces them to start finding their own straw to make bricks with. They were supplied with the straw, and brick making is hard enough. Then they had to take more time out of their day to go find the straw to make the bricks, to build the pyramids. Insert pyramid scheme joke in here. That's what it is. If I were a teacher struggling to find school supplies, I might flinch at reading that about Pharaoh. If I were a warehouse worker racing from aisle to aisle and being timed on it, or if I were a delivery truck driver racing from address to address, I might hear an echo of Pharaoh in my daily work. If I were a nurse serving more patients with fewer folks around me to help, I might hear a bit of Pharaoh's tone of voice in all this daily work, work. You know work. But remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Did you know that when we sleep, our brains replenish themselves from the strain of the day? The, the neurons have time to finish uh, forming, to preserve our memories and our experiences. Neurologists have learned that ample sleep refines Cortical plasticity. We've all heard of that. <laughs> Researchers at Ohio State University have learned that the effects of sleep deprivation actually mimic the effects of a concussion. Lack of sleep also ages us, lowers our immune systems, makes us less capable of handling stress. We may think we can go on working even if we don't believe God insists on a Sabbath. Eventually our bodies say, no, I insist now. One way or another, the fourth commandment catches up to us. You know work. No work. But rest and renewal. They're built into our bodily design just in the same way that the day called Sabbath is built into the week. I believe if there were no Sabbath, all time would even unravel. It just, all creation would unfurl. A second purpose of Sabbath, so we have rest and renewal. A second person, uh, purpose for Sabbath is strengthening relationships, or I like the word friendships better. According to Isaiah, Sabbath gives rise to delight. 
And Sabbath gives us time to devote our full attention to wonder and to love and to praise, yes, and also to people. Isaiah spends a lot of time talking about other people in this text. A few verses earlier, he speaks of the fast he chooses, perhaps a fast from working. In order, he says, to share your bread with the hungry, bring the homeless into your own home, to cover the naked, and my personal favorite, not to hide yourself from your own kin. <laughs> I wonder if there's a day, or even just part of a day in our week, where we're able to be with others for their own sake, where we don't go on about our own way or our own interests, or as I, Isaiah put, put it, pursuing our own affairs. Is there a day where we don't hide from our own kin, but spend time with them? I wonder if we secretly enjoy the fact that the frenetic pace of modern life prevents us from simply being with others or simply being. Isn't it hard to simply be? We must work. We must travel. We must acquire. We must achieve. Unfurl the bucket list. Keep going. What if we reimagine the Sabbath day not as a 24-hour period merely, that we must legislate with blue laws. I mean, I like going to the movies on Sunday every now and then. I did get in big trouble in my first church, though, for mowing grass on Sunday. We lived on Main Street. I couldn't hide. But what if, what if Sabbath was merely a day for paying attention? I'm going to set aside this day to pay attention to others to others around me, to what's happening to others, to what's being done to others? What do you think might be revealed in your own life? I, I wonder. By simply paying attention to what's happening with and to others. I know one thing. It may well be that proper observance of the Sabbath would prevent us from participating and what's called the snitch economy. The snitch economy is that nefarious new dimension of outing workers to their bosses. Yelp reviews run amok, always asking for the manager. I recently bought a package of blueberries and I opened the pack of blueberries and on the inside, inside there was a question, how's my picking? With the little code I could take a picture with on my phone and I guess rate the picking. How many of you come out of the, the airport restroom and you see the little screen with the smiley faces on them? Happy, sad face, straight face. How is my service? Poke a face? Don't touch it. Somebody's getting snitched on. Somebody cleaning up after us. I, I have a mind to go to the, the main office and say, you know what, um, sad face, trains are better, and they're better for the environment. Anyway. Which brings us to a third purpose. Sabbath, which according to scholar 
Walter Brueggemann is this. Resistance. The Sabbath is God's, is the way God's people say no to a culture built on endless desire for more. Sabbath enables us to resist powers of domination that conscript us for their own ends. When I was in seminary, we had a class that taught us uh, spirituality, how to pray. It's a good thing. But we had this um, assignment every week where we had to journal what was called our odium sanctum, our sacred hour. And we had to take an hour. This was our assignment. Take an hour and do nothing. You can't check email. You can't read. You're not even supposed to read the Bible. You just sit and be still, and you do nothing. I cannot tell you how difficult that was. I'd sit, and within minutes, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of all the things I need to do and all of my studies, and then I'm thinking of regrets I have from like 15 years ago. <laughs> One of the great lessons about prayer that I've learned in life is to imagine you're sitting at the bottom of a stream a gentle stream, and when these thoughts come, they're like fish that come up to you and then they swim on past, let them go. Or like a, a debris from a storm passing over, just let it come and go. Or a boat passing overhead, let it come and go. And you stay down at the bottom where deep calls unto deep. Let these thoughts pass by. Be with God in the quiet. You don't have to produce anything but sit and be. I'm convinced that if Jesus were alive today, he'd been arrested multiple times by now for loitering. Loitering. The itinerant preacher, the wanderer, the vagabond, get to work, Jesus. But he sits, he watches, he observes, he prays. He goes away to be with God, and his prayers enable and empower him to upend the gods of work. I believe in our time one of the most effective means of resisting the gods of work is to worship. Worship is, as Marva Dawn so cleverly called it, a royal waste of time. Those who for now cannot attend worship on Sunday because their livelihoods depend on Sunday work should remember why they cannot. And those of us who can should remember those who must spend themselves working on the Lord's day and seek to embody lives of resistance to the gods of work so that they can join us Brueggemann says that he's come to think that the moment of giving the bread of Eucharist, of communion, as gift is the quintessential central notion of Sabbath rest. It's a gift. We merely say thanks. And he asks us, imagine having a sacrament named thanks. 
this offer of free gift, faithful to Judaism, he says, might earn us enough, uh, learn us enough to halt the dramatic anti-neighborliness to which our society is madly and uncritically committed. So come to the table then, all of you who are weary and heavy laden with many burdens, come to the God of Christ given to us and he will give us rest and we will delight in life and ride upon the heights and be fed with the heritage of Jacob.